Hi, welcome to the podcast, Commonwealth Magazine's weekly podcast of politics and policy and the people who practice and influence both. I'm Commonwealth reporter Jack Sullivan. By now, most people who were so inclined figured they'd be able to go into their neighborhood pot store and stock up for the 4th of July. Well, maybe next 4th of July. The target date of July 1 for the launch of legalized recreational marijuana sales and use has come and gone. And not only is nothing open, there is at this time one license issued, and that's for a grower who says he should have some good weed available by the end of this year, maybe early next year. No stores are licensed to sell, and if they were, they don't have much to sell anyway. Who's to blame for this? Or is it really no one to blame because it's just a matter of a regulatory process that we have to go through? Joining us to figure that out are Jennifer Flanagan, a member of the Cannabis Control Commission and a former state senator. Welcome, Commissioner. Thanks for having me. And Jim Smith, an attorney who represents marijuana industry interests and a one-time state representative who was an early proponent of legalizing medical marijuana. Welcome, Counselor. Thank you, Jack. Um, let me let me start with you, Commissioner Flanagan. Um, first of all, let's give the listeners a little idea of where you're coming from on this. I mean, you you were a state rep and a state uh, senator. Um, you voted against the referendum, um, and yet you were tapped by uh, Governor Baker to be his uh, appointee for the Cannabis Commission. Is that something that you uh, uh, applied for, asked for, wanted to do, didn't want to do? Uh, no, I got the call asking if I would be um, the appointee for the governor based upon my public health, uh, substance abuse, and behavioral health background. Um, and having done a lot of work in the legislature, uh, I had thought about it and then agreed to do it for the next four years. Did you, did you know much about legal marijuana before you got into uh, the commission? No. Actually, I had done a lot of work in the substance use disorder realm, uh, working with heroin and oxy and fentanyl, and I had paid attention to what was going on with the ballot question. Obviously, I was an opponent of the ballot question, um, I, and I came out against it because I thought there was just a, there was a lot of things in, that weren't in there that I wanted to see in there. And so I felt as though the cities and towns were important. I didn't exactly like the tax structure, and I wanted to make sure that um, my constituents knew where I was where I was at when it came up for a vote. And do you think that you guys have addressed that as far as your concerns go? Or do you think that you're still concerned about uh, marijuana or about legal marijuana? Well, I think we are where we are. You know, as a regulator, my job is to ensure that Chapter 55 is adhered to and to make sure that this is an industry that's going to thrive in Massachusetts um, and to really work to make sure the regulations uh, are part of that. And I think that we have done that. Um, you know, I, I look back on September 1st. You we were five people in five cubicles with nothing on our desks. And um, we get to this point today where we have some staff. Uh, we have 61 applications in front of us that we need to get through and be able to make decisions on that and then get this industry underway for Massachusetts. Uh, Councilor, let me... Uh... Let me turn to you a little bit. You, years and years ago, I mean, you were in um, the legislature, what, back in the... Uh... <laughs> I ran when I was in college, actually, Jack, <laughs> believe it or not, and even more, surprisingly, people voted for me. Uh, so it was back in the 70s, and uh, we were then talking about decriminalization of an ounce. Right, and you were one of the proponents back, and, I mean, we're talking like yes. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was years ago. Uh, yes, I was way, way back then. Uh, it was a very progressive position back then, and I guess to some extent it still may be. Do you uh, do you see um, 
any similarities between what's going on now and what was happening then as far as enforcement goes, as far as use goes, as far as public uh, perception goes? Not really many similarities. The public perception is very, very different. I think I probably voted with a minority of my constituents. I think today it's a majority. I think the, the medical marijuana particularly, but now adult use marijuana, is, uh, is more, much more mainstream. And I, I uh, a majority of the people across the country, particularly in our state, support adult use marijuana, which is very different than back then. So, well, th- let me go back to you, Commissioner. Um, yeah, I understand the July date was, uh, I believe uh, Chairman uh, Steve Hoffman has said it before, that it was aspirational. It's not statutory. You know, it's it, it, if it hit that mark, that would be good. But there was always the, ca- um, the, uh, uh, the caution that we intend to be there. We intend to get it. So I think it, it, it came across to people that there would be uh, legal sales going on on July 1st. Um, but it, it, it's come and gone. By the time people listen to this, it'll be Monday, July 2nd. Um, it'll be a day after, and we still won't have any licenses at that point. Other states have got up and running in months. Canada just passed it, uh, their uh, uh, legislature and it's going to be up and running in about 16 weeks. Why is it that we're still 19 months later uh, working on trying to get the first store open? Well, I think that, you know, Massachusetts has a history of um, doing its due diligence and taking its time and making sure that it's right. I can say that, you know, from September 1st until today, you have five commissioners and a commission of staff, which we're we're building each and every day, um, that have been working around the clock to get it done. It's not that it's intentional that it's not the July 1st deadline. I think when we talk about the the municipality involvement in this, when we talk about the the host agreements and the zoning, uh, you know, some of the bans and some of the moratoriums that have been put into effect, the town meeting uh, process of a, of a town and government, all of that comes into play. There's not one sort of smoking gun that says this is why it's not there for July 1st. Um, and like the chairman said, it, it was aspirational. Um, it still is. I mean, we want to get this done as quickly as we can. We understand the voters voted for it, that people are looking to have it in their communities. Um, but at the same time, we have to look at what's in front of us and, and where we are, and we try to work through that. Why, why have other states been able to do it so quickly and, and, and we have it? I mean, are, are we that much um, – uh, you say we do due do, do diligence. Do you think that other states didn't do it, that they didn't uh, – it's not for me to talk about what other states did or didn't do. I know that I recently got back from California, and I had visited some establishments in California. They're scrambling to deal with the second set of emergency regulations that are being handed down to them. Um, you know, we have our regulations that have been promulgated since March. We made sure that we got our stuff done on time. So it's really not something I think that you can compare and contrast between state and state. Uh, We certainly have different kinds of licenses. I mean, we have a multitude of licenses. We have the economic empowerment program. We have the social equity program that we're we're taking up, which is the first in the the country. Uh, So there are different things, I think, that come with each state. And I'm sure Jim knows more about what the other states have done than than I do. Um, But our focus and and my focus has been to get it right in Massachusetts. Well, then let me ask you, Counselor, um, the commissioner raised the idea of the municipalities and, and the uh, processes that they, they have to go through. Um, the legislature gave them a big, big say in, in the process, uh, and many of them have already instituted bans. Others have adopted moratoriums. Um, communities have the leverage in working out host agreements, and they get 60 days to respond to uh, the uh, commission 
um, when they get an inquiry about a uh, prospective uh, applicant. Have they been given too much power here? Are they the reason that we don't have uh, legal marijuana at this point? In a word, yes. Uh, parochialism, puritanicalism. We are a bluest of blue states, but we have some real caution in lots of areas. The cities and towns have a long history of local control here. We have this great town meeting concept, which we're all so proud of. It's a couple of centuries old. Uh, and so the local cities and towns have a great deal of control, plus local zoning. That statute didn't change. There is still zoning. And you'll find some communities have zoned these uses in industrial parks. One community wanted to zone retail on second floors only. Uh, one community has, uh, you can only come to the store by appointment only. That's not retail. Uh, but so parochialism, the commission has, I think, done a good job. They've gotten an awful lot done. But the statute and our history gives a lot of authority to local communities, and that is where we can't get anything open at all. The cultivation that got a license last week, uh, thats a, they've been growing at that location for months. We are growing all across the Commonwealth in cultivation, medical, but it's a plant, same plant. So having those convert over to adult use, grow, no big deal. Try to put that into a retail store, huge deal. And so the public that may have thought July 1st would have been an important date, although statute that's not a statutory date at all. June 1st is a statutory date. But July 1st got to be sort of the, the, the date that people kind of clung to. The target to. date. The though. target date. Nothing happened July 1st. Nothing may not happen by August 1st, for all I know. I don't know that we'll have very many opened at all. And that's not the intent of the voters, not the intent of the legislature. That is because the cities and towns, with their zoning rights, are exercising those rights and are many times, just many, many cases, really creating hurdles that are unrealistic and I think inappropriate. Are they abusing those rights? Absolutely. It, what do you think? Not in, I said not in every case. I mean, there's 351 of them. So there are, there are 351 sets of rules, essentially. So in some cases, yeah, but in many cases, no. They want to be thorough and detailed. It's as if we're trying to cite a nuclear waste dump in downtown. It's not that. Oh, well, Commissioner, in, in your time in the legislature, you were a big proponent of uh, cities and towns, local aid, Chapter 70 funding, um, local control, things like that. Do you think that they're impeding the uh, implementation of the regulations? Well, I think there are some city town, cities and towns that need more education. I mean, um, Commissioner Doyle and I have been to communities. That's K. Doyle. Uh, Commissioner, Commissioner K. K. Doyle have been through to communities from Lenox to Martha's Vineyard, talking to planning commissions, talking to the local folks on the, the zoning boards, talking to elected officials, and sort of giving them an overview of what our regulations are. There's a lot of questions by people who are serving in town government. Now, if it may be that they weren't paying attention to what has been going on since the ballot question. It might be that they just simply don't know what to do. Um, so I think some are trying to really get it done, and there are some that have gotten it done, um, while others Others have not, and that's for them to explain to the people in their town why. Uh, I don't think that, you know, once the vote was taken for the ballot, communities would know that they were going to be in yes towns versus no towns. And then when the legislature took up the bill, um, those yes towns and no towns became significant in what actions they would have to take with regards to siting facilities in those borders. Just to um, in, inform the listeners, when we talk about that, the, the way that the statute reads is that those towns, cities and towns that voted no, um, they are enabled to pass uh, bans or, or moratoriums through the uh, legislative body, whether it's the right. town meeting or the uh, city council, 
whereas those cities and towns that voted yes have to go to a community-wide referendum in order to enact any kind of ban. Right. Um, so that that's what you were talking about when, mm-hmm. when you said that. Do you think this uh, ruling by um, uh, Attorney General uh, Maura Healey is going to have kind of an impact, uh, any kind of impact um, moving forward? She had made the ruling that uh, allowed uh, Mansfield to extend their moratorium into June of next year after initially saying that anything past December uh, would be um, unreasonable and unconstitutional. Um, but, I leave the legal analysis to the lawyers. I'm not a lawyer, so. <laughs> well, do, do you think that that's going to um, empower uh, other cities and towns to uh, that that have a moratorium to seek an even longer moratorium? I, I don't. From the conversations that I've had with city and towns who have moratoriums put in place until December, I don't think that really they're looking to extend that. They're looking for answers. They want to know what their towns want to do, and and in some cases, zoning is a difficult thing because you have volunteers on boards. Um, I don't necessarily, from my perspective. I think it's going to empower anyone. Um, I think it certainly puts a kink in, in going forward because now the conversation becomes at what point do these moratoriums end and at what point do cities and towns have to make a decision. What, what do you think, Councillor? Is, uh, is it a ruling that's going to harm uh, in, uh, the, the start of this uh, industry? Well, I can't help, Jack, but I, I don't think it's a widespread ruling. I don't expect to see many more rulings along, these, along this line. I think Mansfield might have been a unique situation. Uh, and so I don't think that's going to add much more to our delay. But there's a couple of you know significant things that have to happen before anybody can open in this Commonwealth. If the city of town hasn't yet set zoning, you can't possibly lease a location or purchase a location. So you don't even have these buildings lined up yet until the zoning is set. Now, once the zoning is set, you've got to find a landlord willing to lease to you. And they may have to have a bank, the landlord's mortgagee may say, well, we don't want to lease to that person because we don't want that in the marijuana use because of the federal laws in our location. So you've got to find someone who's got a friendly bank or has no mortgage, or you have to buy the property, incredibly expensive. Now you have a piece of property. Then you got to go to the town. They just zoned it. It's going to take you a while to get back to the town. So this hasn't even occurred anywhere, or it's occurred very rarely, I should say. You're back to the town. Now you got to go, they all want special permits. Now I can open up most every business by right in the retail districts, not this business. Uh, so I need a special permit. That takes time. And as, as the commissioner points out, these are volunteer boards. They might meet once a month. They might not have a quorum. Summertime. They might not meet again until September. You're sitting there with this property, which, by the way, you're paying rent on. And then you've got to go with the special permit and see if you can get a special permit. If they allow that, then you go back to the town and say, I need to host a community agreement. The statute that the commissioner worked on when she was a state senator said 3% maximum. That's all we can give you for your legitimate expenses, plus a 3% tax. That's 6% all in. Most everybody wants more than the 3 in the 3. Even though the statute says 3%, we're running into that everywhere. They want 4%. They want side deals. They want what they call voluntary contributions to give you a host community. This all takes time to negotiate. It takes a long time. How can, how can they do that? I mean, if, if, if it's capped by statute at 4%, how can they say we want 5% or I'll give I mean, you, 3% I'll rather? I'll give you a whole bunch of phone numbers to call and ask those people that question. I do not know. I spend a lot of my time negotiating these host community agreements, and I'm hoping the commission will help us out because the statute is very clear. Uh, and again, that 3% is supposed to be tied to legitimate expenses. What expense is there? There's more expensive to 7-Eleven with the kid with the skateboard and the litter or at a liquor store with the guys dropping, dropping the nips on, on, the, on, on the corner. You know, There's no real expenses here over and above, but they got 3%. Now, by the way, 
These stores are liable to, let's say, $10 million a year, a good store. That's $300,000 plus $300,000 in taxes. That's $600,000 for a storefront. And we still can't cite these things. Commissioner, is there anything that uh, the commission can do to um, to stem this to these type of actions? I mean, have you heard about it, that, that there are communities that are uh, – for lack of a better term, shaking down people that are uh, trying to cite uh, a, a store or a cultivation facility in their uh, town? I've recently heard of some of them. I, I mean, I think we can certainly something that we can talk about. Again, with our open meeting law, it's not like we can go back and deliberate as to what to do behind closed doors. Um, so we need to ensure that we have that conversation in public. But, I, you know, I think it's well, at the same somebody, time. Well, how about somebody as a regulator? What Does that cause you concern that they're that you're hearing that? It causes me concern that people are trying to milk the system for more money. And I think that, you know, I'm still a proponent of cities and towns. I still think that um, we need to address any of the concerns that cities and towns have. But that's through education. That's not necessarily monetary. Um, and depending on where you are is the type of um, things that you may have to mitigate. And so it's important for me as a regulator and, and also as a citizen of, of the Commonwealth to ensure that this is being done fairly. Um, but that's something, again, we can we can try to talk about. But I can't promise that five commissioners can fix it. <laughs> and by the way, Jack, once you get through this entire process, only then do you go to the commission. So the commission doesn't have these applications in front of them. So the commission can't really do much of anything. There were very, very few completed, if any, completed retail applications. Right. 18 of them, right? At, at uh, not, not fully no. completed. Host community agreement, zoning, that's to be determined. So I think, and then what happens is we don't even see most of the community host agreements. So it's not as if they're filing them with us. We just ensure that they have them that have been executed by in the city. Can you see them if you ask for them? I'm sure they become public record at some point when they're we executed. Want them to be, oh, they have public record. They would love to share them with everybody. So why why doesn't uh, the committee? You know, why doesn't the executive director or the the license reviewers look at those and say, wait a minute, the statute says three percent. Well, part of what we're focused on right now is getting people's applications processed because the voters are asking for the facilities to open. So, um, you know, we need more staff. We need a lot more resources. Um, that's certainly something that, you know, we can consider. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's not the, the regulators' jobs to negotiate these contracts. It's between the business and the town. But if that's an impediment to it, doesn't, doesn't that then call for the regulators to step in? I mean, if you have cities and towns saying, no, we're not going to sign off on this because we want this much. Isn't that up to the, com to the commission to step in and say, wait a minute, this is what the law says? Jack, in fairness to the commission, none of these have even gotten there yet. To get a, an entire application in front of the commission, uh, as I described, you've got to find the site, get the zoning, the special permit, the host community agreement, all this material has to be lined up. I don't think they have a completed retail application yet to look at. Now, they have partials. They have right. people who have filed, but I don't think they're – I'm not aware of anyone in the Commonwealth that has a completed retail application. You'll see cultivation applications. You'll see some of the random ones, maybe a processing or something. But a completed retail application where we can actually walk in the, the store and buy this product – I don't think there's one in front of the commission. They can't. Act. They can't act. There's nothing in front of them to act on. And I think that's the, that's the key, though, is that this is this packet. These four packets that have to make up this application is huge. It's not as if we're talking about a simple application. So you know, like Jim said, there's multiple pieces that have to come into play before we can even look at it. Um, you know, from the commission standpoint, I mean, we put a survey out to municipalities. We don't have the entire list of who has a moratorium, who has a ban, who's got community host agreements, and what people are looking for, because they don't have to answer to us. That's that's the independent municipality process. Um, they're not sending in 
their actions taken at town meeting to us because there's no requirement that they have to do that. So if, if you've got nothing before you at this point, um, when can we reasonably expect that uh, it'll be started? I mean, get, I don't think I don't know if it's necessarily fair to put a, another date on it because you know the July first was always something that was talked about in conversation and I wasn't intimately involved in the crafting of the marijuana legislation I wasn't on the committee um, I, I had other responsibilities in the Senate but the July first date had always been talked about then all of a sudden it ballooned into this like end all be all date so for us to say you know August first or, or September first. I think is disingenuous because we don't know yet. It, again, the process has to play out, and we are the end result. We are not part of those negotiations and conversations. One of the one of the impediments to uh, to to doing this is that state law requires that marijuana be tested, that it go through an independent Absolutely. testing lab. At this point, you similar to with uh, the retail stores. You don't have any applications before you for independent testing labs, right? No, and we took the action yesterday that once the application comes before us, we have the ability to take it out of um, out of the line so that we can get the testing lab in place. Because, again, we're building a, a structure. We're building, a, a, you know, the regulatory space for this industry. So it's coming at peace. The, right, the guys who wanted the testing labs didn't start six months before everybody else. Everyone started off at the same time. Um, and it just may be that the people who want to be um, in the testing sphere just didn't get it done. Um, well, the, the, I think the regular Jack and fans, I think the labs will that issue will be resolved. It's the retail issue. I think we'll have labs before we have retail. That well, you be, have to have labs before we have retail. But that won't be right? the that won't be the, the, the delay. The delay will be the municipalities getting sign off on host community agreements that are fair, getting zoning that is fair. Uh, even in communities that voted yes, where the majority of the folks voted yes on question four. Uh, that's what the delay is. So I think the labs is kind of an issue that the CCC, the commission, is going to resolve pretty quickly. Do you is my read of the of the regulations um, are that you adopted the framework for the medical marijuana testing uh, protocols, right? Mm -hmm. Couldn't those existing laboratories be used to test? No, we need we need to license people that are going to go into the adult use, just as we have to license people who are cultivating right now for medicinal and want to um, want to grow for adult use. It's it's very different. You, you know, you don't you don't mix. How the is two how yet. is it different if you because they're different it, entities? I mean, DPH has has. But the it's not a different product, right? It's not a different product, but it's it's a different license. Well, the state the state law requires there to be a license for adult use cultivation testing or retailing. Right. So and it's a I separate understand. law. So we have to meet, meet that law, and that law requires us to get a host community agreement, among other things, and to deliver that entire package ultimately to the commission. Uh, I know some labs are moving, but uh, that's the law. The commission can't do anything except adhere to the statute. Is, is this idea of the chronological review of applicants something that's impeding the, uh, the process, do you think, that, that you take them as they come? I don't think come? there's as many impediments to the process as people would like to think. I think we're moving through the process. And again, you know, we have to wait for background checks to come back. We have to wait for municipalities to sign off on the community host agreements. When we, um, when we tell the community that we have an application, they have up to 60 days to get back to us. There's all time frames that have to do. I don't think there's a necessary necessarily an impediment. What happens at the commission is you have a staff that is diligently working to process what we have, but those pieces have to come together. 
And by the way, I'm not here to apologize for the commission, and the commission should not be defensive. Oh, uh, not at all. No, they shouldn't the be. This, this statute really is tough to work with, and it does. And you go back to our zoning laws, which have not been changed, and our parochialism, which is not, never going to change, I fear. Cities and towns control, even though they may mm-hmm. have 20, 30, 40, 50 liquor licenses. Getting one of these things open is like, I don't know what it's like. It's It's been, because no one's done it yet. I was in a town out in, in the Berkshire County, and um, they legitimately were telling me that things have not changed since their forefather put the town on the books. And, and that's what they're dealing with. And this is a really big industry. This is not something, um, you know, simple that the town has decided they want to have. This is a very big regulatory industry um, that will have an impact for years to come. And so when you have a very small town that's trying to grapple with this, they may not necessarily have all the resources that they need. Let me respond to that because I agree with pretty much everything Jenna said until now. I don't think it's that big a deal. Well, for them it is. For, for their yeah, zoning it, changes, it is. The, 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 the Walgreens are selling the opiates down the right. street. The guy selling the gun store around the right. corner. And, and, and there's liquor everywhere. I mean, this is not that big a deal. Well, Commissioner Flanagan rightfully says that she can't put a, a, a date certain on there. What's your estimate as to when we'll see the first store open here in Massachusetts? Well, given that July 4th is going to come and go, uh, let's look at Labor Day. We might have one or two by Labor Day, maybe. Maybe half a dozen by the end of the year, maybe a dozen. It'll then start flowing, I think. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot slower. I don't think. It's a lot slower than any of us thought it would be initially. And we're also dealing with towns that still have moratoriums till December. So oh, yeah. we, we don't even know what that number is. And I don't think that when the question passed, and Jim can tell yeah. me if I'm wrong, that anyone anticipated that. No. That yeah, we didn't, we didn't well, anticipate all the actions by all the cities and towns. Prohibition was repealed in 1933. We still had dry towns in this state. We'll have dry marijuana yep. towns yep. probably a century from today. Uh, but it should not be the 90, 95%. It should not be the Boston, Quincy, Needham, Newton, Somerville, Cambridge kind of sophisticated, well-governed communities. I can understand some rural areas of some small towns or more you know, well-to-do communities. But the majority of us voted for this. The majority of us should have access to this. And the majority of these communities are well-governed enough to be able to handle this issue. Well, I think we could go on and on and on. but uh, <laughs> Of course we can. <laughs> uh, so we'll have to do it again sometime. Um, I want to thank uh, – that's it for the uh, podcast. I want to thank Commissioner Jennifer Flanagan of the State Cannabis Control Commission and James Smith at the Law Office of Smith, Costello, and Crawford for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Jen. Thank you. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud or uh, download it on iTunes. You can also go to our site, www.commonwealthmagazine.org, and click on the fish. I'm Commonwealth reporter Jack Sullivan. Please come back and listen next week for another episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm.